Hey everybody, and welcome to the first episode of Alternative Mormon, a nuanced discussion of Mormonism and faith transitions. Welcome everybody to this first episode. Um, I am very excited for this new project I've decided to take on. And uh, for those of you who have been led to this episode from future episodes, I'd encourage you to at least listen to the first part of this podcast, which will be a brief description of this podcast, of my goals um, in doing this project, and the purposes that I'm hoping to achieve with this podcast. So first of all, this podcast will cover a wide variety of topics, but specifically I do want to focus on things related to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or commonly known as Mormonism. And the purpose of this podcast, I, I have multiple purposes. The first is I want to normalize difficult discussions in the church. Um, I've noticed as I've talked to those on either side of the spectrum, from be full believing members to uh, non-believing members to ex- and post-Mormons, that these discussions are really emotionally charged. And I'm not asking for people to lose the emotion behind these conversations. Um, but I do want to talk about these discussions, and I'm hoping this podcast is a place for both believer and unbeliever alike, that both can come to this podcast, they can feel comfortable, and hopefully they can learn something new. Um, I want to discuss, another thing I want to do is I want to discuss a place in the church for those who don't fix, fit that orthodox member mold. And I consider myself to be one who fits in that group, and I'll talk about that later today. I also learned as I went through my faith crisis and my faith transition that uh, while I was a member of the church, there was a whole group of people who I didn't even really know existed, unfortunately. I was unempathetic to people in faith crises and those who were going through faith transitions. And this whole specific group of people, they need help. And I've been one. I still am one. I'm still going through my journey. And it's not just those going through the faith crises. It's their family and friends. It's those in their wards and stakes. And for me, I want to provide an alternate look on how I faith transitioned and how I continue to faith transition. And I hope that the experiences I have can in some way help those who are also going through it. So in this podcast, we'll go through a variety of issues relating to the church from my perspective. Uh, those will be aspects of church culture, church history, church doctrine. And, and also, I hope to cover... A broader topic of spirituality, religion, and uh, faith in general, and what that means. Now, I, some of the other podcasts out there, for instance, Mormon Stories, uh, they always talk about the idea of informed consent, uh, that that's one of their main purposes, is to those who consent to doing things in the church, that they have the full information. And I, I do agree with that purpose, and I want to, but I also want to switch those words, because that's one of the other purposes I want to talk about. I talked about hoping this is a safe place for, for full-believing members as well. And so I also believe in consented informing. And so I will not shy away from difficult cultural, historical, or doctrinal issues. And I am going to share my opinion on those. And a lot of those I have an opinion from a non-believing perspective. But I hope that I will be honest with those. I want to provide a little bit of a content warning for my faithful family members and friends who are believing that they can know, okay, this episode, we're going to talk about some difficulties in church history. I know some people, they feel like that's a challenge to their faith, and I that's not one of my goals. 
um, I hope to have guests who have um, perspectives from all all areas of the spectrum of Mormonism, and I'd like to talk to those people about their faith transitions, and I'll get in, get into that as I talk about the different kinds of episodes. So let's talk about the word nuance. Um, you'll notice that's in the description of this uh, podcast, a nuanced discussion of Mormonism and faith transitions. And and part of the reason I want to do this podcast is as I was going through my faith transition, I started to notice that a lot of the content out there was pretty polarized. Um, either it was very strong leaning towards the church uh, or very strong leaning against the church. Now, what nuance doesn't mean is that I'm a fence sitter or that I... Uh, I'm in the middle. I, I don't, you know, I don't decide on anything. But what it does mean is while I have my opinions, I'm going to try to be fair. I'm going to try to look at things on the other side and try not to put my spin on sources. So I thought of a verse that's in the New Testament in the book of Revelation. And it says, so then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And from a, someone who likes to kind of live in that gray area or the nuanced area where I can sometimes see both sides of an issue. At first, when I, you know, thought about that in, in context of my faith transition, it kind of bothered me because I was like, well, I'm not lukewarm. You know, I, I am on one side of the issues. What I mean by that is there are things I believe and don't believe, and there are things about the church I find harmful, and I'm not going to avoid sharing my opinion on that. But I am going to try to be fair, and I'm going to try to say, okay, well, let's look at the other side of the issue. And that's my goal of this podcast. Now, let me just say that's my goal. I'm not going to be even close to perfect at it. I hope that over time I don't slowly drift, you know, more and more poignant against the church or or wh- wherever, you know, my belief leads me. Um, and, and I can't promise I won't, but but I do want to try. And, and I'm hoping to achieve that by having people from different perspectives on here and uh, taking questions and answers, you know, to both non-members and members alike. And, and I think by trying to have these difficult discussions, like I, I use the political analogy, reaching across the aisle a little bit more, maybe we can get more comfortable and have some understanding between these two very different, very polarized viewpoints. And so now let's talk about what I'm hoping not to accomplish with this podcast. These are not the purposes of my co- podcast. While I won't shy away from the issues I have against the church, uh, my purpose is not to tear down the church. Um... Now, I do hope a byproduct of this podcast is maybe some influence on reforming church culture, although I, I don't, you know, I don't think so highly of myself. I'm not arrogant enough to think I have the ability to change church doctrine or church culture. I do hope, you know, a little bit of understanding from, from my perspective and other people's perspective who have gone through faith crises, who have left the church. I hope those who are still in the church, I hope that can change the culture a little bit. My goal is also not to tear down people's faith. Um, faith is something very personal, and uh, there's there's reasons people have faith. I, I have a lot of respect for my family members and friends who can stay full-believing active members. I love them, I respect them, and I admire them. And that, that may come as a surprise to some people who listen who have left the church, um, because after you have some faith transitions, Sometimes it's really hard to have that nuance, even though at one point you were in their shoes. So on this podcast, I will have four different kinds of episodes. And what I'll do from here on out, on each episode uh, title, I will give one of four different names at the beginning so that my listeners know what type of podcast they're about to listen to. 
So the four types of episodes are as follows. The first I will simply call alternative thoughts. Now this is going to be the broadest of all the topics. This could cover really anything. Um, I mean, specifically about spirituality, religion, but it's not specific to the church. And so as I am continuing on my faith transition, I plan on studying a variety of sources, whether that's uh, sources from the church, because I do believe there's truth and good that can come from the church. But I'm also going to study, um, you know, literature from other religions, of spirituality in general, and uh, maybe different philosophies. And I hope to share my studies. Um, if you listen to this first podcast and you say, yeah, I don't really want to listen to this guy just ramble on um, any more than I have to, that's probably not the type of episode you want to listen to. And, and I probably will occasionally invite guests onto the Alternative Thoughts episodes. Those are mostly going to be my own ramblings and my own thoughts. So keep that in mind on those episodes. I'm excited for those type of episodes. Um, my entire life, which I'll get into later, um, was in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so while I tried to have... Um, a perspective outside the church, a lot of times my studies were focused on church material. So I'm excited for the rest of my life that I have to study just religion in general, try to pull any good things from religion or spirituality that I haven't studied before. Um, that doesn't mean I'm planning on, you know, switching religions or denominations or um, really focusing on anything specific, but I, I do want to kind of broaden my horizons and study a variety of sources. So enough on, on that type of episode, the alternative thoughts episodes. The next type of episode I will provide is something I will call transition faith transition interviews. And uh, these are interviews that I'll have with a variety of people on the Mormonism spectrum. And what I'm hoping to accomplish with these interviews isn't a really broad interview that covers everything in their life in Mormonism. I want to focus in a little bit more on faith crises faith transitions, and faith adjustments. And my theory is, regardless of if somebody's a full-believing member, whether they've left the church, whether they're a nuanced member, I believe everybody has gone through some sort of faith crisis or faith transition at some point in their life. Now, that may have been a faith transition from not being a believing member to being converted to the church. That could be leaving the church. There's a wide variety of topics. But I really want to explore this idea of faith crises and faith transitions um, because it's it's a topic I hadn't thought about much before I had mine, uh, believe it or not, and I'm fascinated by it now. And I want everybody's perspective I can, and I'm excited for these interviews. The third type of episode I will do, I'll simply title The Issues. And for full believing members of the church, these may be the most difficult episodes to listen to. Um... What I want to do during the issues episodes is go through a methodical process of going through my personal faith crisis, doctrinal, and historical points. And while I don't want to be overly persuasive, these are going to naturally be persuasive in nature. And what I mean by that is I'm going to share, you know, an objective source, you know, this piece of church history. And that's a fact. You know, I can verify that. You can go back to the original sources and you can read that. But then obviously I'm going to throw my opinion in that, you know, uh, from reading this source, I infer this or, or whatever. And, and I'm hoping to build with the issues episode, a narrative so that 
while I hope it doesn't tear down people's faith, I hope someone who comes from a faithful perspective could listen to those episodes and say, oh, wow, after I listen to this, I can totally understand how you had a faith crisis. I can understand why you doubt. And, you know, maybe this person can say, I still believe and I want to keep that belief, but I can respect your position and I can respect why you don't believe. So that's my goal with the issues episode. The fourth episode, um, and these in my opinion, are, are some of the episodes I'm most looking forward to. Um, I have cleverly, and I'll say cleverly maybe with air quotes because I came up with the name, titled it Everything from Amulek to Zeezrom. And uh, this is obviously a play on everything from A to Z. And uh, what this is, is it's going to be discussions and debates from both a believing and non-believing perspective. My good friend Mike, who is a full believing member, and uh, um, but is definitely a nuanced thinker and what I mean by that is is he holds true to his beliefs um, active in the church and he's agreed to come on my podcast occasionally and discuss um, various topics in Mormonism and what I'm excited about that is both him and I and we've already had some of these conversations but they haven't been recorded they've just been between me and him Um, what him and I hope to accomplish is to show there are different perspectives on issues that believing members can can totally be informed about all the issues and still believe. Although personally, I wasn't able to have that type of belief once I was informed of all the issues. But I do respect the position of those who can. And uh, we just want to, you know, have some understanding. So the, I, I say this is kind of a debate, and I don't mean it as a debate necessarily. Like, um maybe true to the word, we will, you know, say, well, this is my side of the issue. This is this side of the issue. So, so in, in a sense, it is a debate, but I don't want it to be an argument. We're not going to be trying to persuade each other one way or another, but just to provide a perspective on either side of an issue. And I think how it'll begin is we'll probably prepare a few questions for each other that we find interesting. And then as we gain more listeners and, and as we, uh, get more established in our podcast, um, we'd like to take questions from listeners if anybody has any uh, and those questions could be to both the believing and the, the non-believing perspective or uh, to one or the other. Um, with these four different types of episodes I'm really hopeful that on this podcast I can provide consistent content um, but as I'll talk about in a minute I do have a young family and for those of you who have ever had a young family or have a young family you know that I cannot make promises on how much time I'm going to be able to develop to this side project. So on that note, allow me to introduce myself. Uh, my name is Tom. I'm a 28-year-old uh, Utah active member. Uh, although I am active in my ward, I am an, I'm no longer a believing member. And that is one of the goals of this first podcast is to provide my faith transition story. And so let's talk about my beliefs first, and then we'll get into my story. So while I am an active member of the ward, I no longer believe in many of the truth claims of the church. And this would include the restoration of the gospel, the historicity of the Book of Mormon, claim to prophetic authority, and uh, claim to prophetic revelation currently in today's days. Now, I do still believe in God. I consider myself a follower of Jesus. Um, and I even have a nuanced view on Mormonism. Um, I believe there is good in Mormonism. I look back on my upbringing 
And I think there's a lot of good that came out of my upbringing in Mormonism. I don't think it was all bad. But there were harmful things. And, and what, what, I, what kind of my idea on that is, um, is to take the good and leave the bad. So at the conclusion of my faith transition experience, well, I take that back. My faith transition experience is an ongoing experience. But at the conclusion of my faith crisis experience, uh, something I decided to do was write a personal essay. And this personal essay began kind of as a sort of therapy for myself uh, to kind of just write down all my issues and get them out of my head. And as I started writing, I realized this this shouldn't just be for me. There's some really important things in here uh, that I think will lead to understanding with my family members and friends. And I ended up sharing the personal essay with close family members and friends. Now, this essay is a little too personal for me to share in a public um, space, although I will be sharing on this episode some segments from it. Um, but it, it was it was something I decided to share with my family and friends. And the name of the essay, or what I titled it, was Keeping the Baby Without the Bathwater, which obviously is a play on the phrase, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And so that's, that's what my beliefs are. I believe there's good and bad that came from my upbringing in the church. And so after my faith crisis, uh, my faith transition included me taking the good and running with it and trying to keep it and throwing out the bad. And I, I know to a believing member that can sound a little offensive, but I do have things that I believe are harmful and I'm, I'm trying to get rid of those in my life. And, and I apologize if that offends believing members, um, but, but that is my opinion. Okay, so let's get into my faith crisis and faith transition experience. So I do use those two phrases differently. Faith crisis, I take as the part of my story when I truly was in crisis, when I, I had so much pulling me apart as far as faith and doubt and belief and logic. And after that faith, tra- or faith crisis, when I came to the conclusion that I no longer believed a lot of these things, I call that part my faith transition. And the reason I make that distinction is crisis um, obviously has the connotation of, you know, negativity, um, difficulty, and the faith transition part for me was actually beautiful. And it was peaceful, and it was an amazing experience in my life. And in some ways, uh, I consider it very personal and very sacred. And I, I know... <laughs> Again, there's a lot of Mormon left in me, and so that maybe sounds weird to ex-Mormons for me to use the word sacred. Um, but I mean it. I mean, it's very personal to me with my belief in God that still exists. Um, you know, these, these are from some very spiritual experiences for me. And so while I won't share everything of my story because of a lot of it's very personal, I plan to share, you know, enough to give you the story and to give you my perspective. So I do want to read... Um, some parts from my essay. The reason is I am uh, a rambler. (laughs) Hopefully you will not realize that too bad on this podcast. I'll try to rein my rambling and rants in. Um, But I I do think I'm a more um, concise writer. I, if I, if I can, you know, beat up a sentence before I spill it out, it comes out a lot better. So I don't consider myself to be a great writer. I do think my thoughts come out a little bit more coherent. And so I do want to read a few things directly from that personal essay that I shared with my family and friends. And so in my introduction section, um, I wrote the following. 
Since my faith transition, I have realized something that might be bizarre to some who read this. That is, I love being a Mormon, and Mormonism is just a huge part of who I am. While there are certain aspects I have chosen to discard from my life, I am grateful for my experiences in the church. I am a Mormon, culturally, socially, and due to my ancestors on both sides, almost genetically. I hope to still be able to take part, albeit to a much smaller degree now, in the church. I hope that this essay can be my small voice in a sea of millions of voices over the last 200 years in the ongoing story of Mormonism. So I'd like to talk about my experience a little bit. So first of all, I was raised uh, in the church. I was born a member of the church. Well, born in the covenant. I was baptized when I was eight and lived in Utah my entire life up until my mission, which I will talk about in a minute. Um, As a faithful member, I had a variety of callings, um, served in a variety of organizations, and did serve a mission. And, you know, I, I look back on my time um, as a teenager and as a kid, and, and it, it was good. I, I don't regret my childhood. I don't regret my adolescence in the church. Um, and I, I, but I definitely was raised <clears throat> in an orthodox believing um, perspective of the church. And, you know, talking about me as a teenager... And, and I went through phases, you know, I had times when I was more rebellious, but I definitely had times that I was kind of a straight-laced um, Mormon, and I, I believed it, and I uh, followed it, you know, I, I didn't do anything too crazy. But one thing I do want to talk about from my teenage life is, as I got older, as I, as I became, you know, probably 15 or 16, I started to think a little bit deeper about some of these issues. And there came a time um, that I really started to wonder even of the existence of God. And uh, I, I don't want to dive into too much of that because it is pretty personal to me. Um, but, but through a few experiences, I came to believe that God was real. I came to believe that God loved me. And I had spiritual experiences that seemed to tell me that the church was true and that I should should be a part of the church. And so... As I got closer to my mission, I started to study the gospel pretty intently. Um, I felt like I was responsible, uh, if I was going to go on a mission, to really understanding the gospel, understanding the doctrine, and having answers to difficult questions. Uh, I actually read, while I was in high school, the entire standard works. Old Testament, New Testament, Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price. I don't say that to brag, um, but I, I do want to paint the picture of what I was like. I mean, I was a nerd, and I was a church nerd a little bit. I really kind of geeked out about this stuff. And I was really excited for my mission, and uh, so I, I felt like it was my responsibility. Now, this is a story of my faith crisis. So uh, while you know, I, a lot of that was faith-promoting, let's talk about some of the faith uh, crisis aspects of that time period in my life. So as I studied, I studied you know a little bit of everything. One of the first things... Um, that I noticed that kind of caught me, or or it was maybe kind of a shelf item, I put it on the shelf for a while, was the idea that in the Book of Mormon, there are, you know, exact references or exact quotes from the King James Version of the Bible. And as I noticed that, you know, I, I, and, and I'm not talking <clears throat> the obvious examples, like the Isaiah chapters, 
Um, there's a few chapters in Third Nephi that are basically the Sermon on the Mount from the book of Matthew. So I'm not, I'm not talking about those, um, but there are some New Testament verses and phrases, um, and some of them, well, actually, technically, all of them are anachronistic to the Book of Mormon, but especially there's some that are pre-Christ coming to the Americas, and the apologists and church scholars do have answers for these, and I read those before my mission. I wasn't really satisfied with them, but it, it wasn't a big deal. Like, I just put it on the shelf, didn't think about it. One of the other things I noticed during this time uh, was I started reading some um, sources that were kind of the old church material. Um, I'm talking like Mormon Doctrine by Bruce R. McConkie, you know, Teachings of the Prophets, Doctrines of Salvation by Joseph Fielding Smith, um, some of those resources. And as many of you know, in those resources, there's some stuff that is no longer accepted as doctrine in the church. Um probably won't get into specifics on this episode, but I think those of you who have studied know what I'm talking about. And those didn't really sit well with me either. Um, I do wish at that time in my life someone had said to me, you know, for instance, in, in doctor, uh, Mormon Doctrine by Bruce R. McConkie, like, hey, even though it says Mormon Doctrine, this isn't all doctrine. <laughs> I, I do wish someone had told me that because there's pieces in there, you know, especially about black members of the church not holding the priesthood that I read and I was like, this doesn't seem like what I was taught in church and this seems wrong. But I, I was like, okay, this seems wrong to me. I was never taught this. Maybe I just don't understand. So I, again, shelf item. So that was all pre-mission. I got my mission call. I went to Indianapolis, uh, Indiana. And on my mission, I had a wonderful experience. I don't regret going on a mission. Uh, I hope, you know, even with my less orthodox view on Mormonism. I hope I was able to go out and do some good. Um, and I think I, I was able to. You know, part of me regrets going out and, and being evangelical and, and shoving things in front of people and maybe being persistent. Um, but overall, I, I don't regret my mission. Now, on my mission, I had a series of experiences. Again, these are rather personal, and I, I did share them in my essay, but I, I don't feel comfortable at this time sharing it in a public space, um, but I had some experiences that both really challenged me on my mission and that uh, that led me to believe God had a hand in my life and, and in the mission. And, and I felt like was even an answer to stay on a mission and to serve the mission. And so um, that, that was a huge foundation of my belief. Now, on my mission in Indiana, I know it's technically not considered the Bible Belt, um, but it's pretty close. And uh, all of the time when I was talking to people who weren't members of our church, the discussions were, I don't want to say hostile, while a few were hostile, they were very antagonistic towards the church. Now, a lot of these um, arguments against the church from those who know anything about the church, they're sort of laughable. You know, I, I could give you a few ex examples. There's, there's, you know, arguing that Mormons aren't Christians. Um, you, I'd have people that would say, wait, you guys believe that Satan and Jesus are brothers? And we'd say yes, and we'd go through a simple, you know, pre-earth life, plan of salvation discussion. And uh, anyway, you know, a lot of those arguments, while they were valid to those Christians who voiced them to us, as a member of the church, it was like no big deal. I can easily explain this. 
But I started to get into some more intellectual arguments about the church. Some of these people were either inactive members of the church or um, people from a different faith perspective, but who were really passionate about it. A lot of times, you know, they're passionate because they're trying to save us from burning in hell from their viewpoint. And so I, I actually think a lot of times it came from a, a spot of, or a, a perspective of love, uh, which sometimes didn't seem that way, but I like to view it that way. I think they were trying to help. Um, but a lot of these debates actually were pretty intellectual. And, and in hindsight, you know, for those who haven't been born and raised in the church, I'm actually really impressed with some of these people on how much they learned about Mormonism. And these discussions, I actually came to really enjoy them on my mission. Um, you know, some missionaries would shy away from these type of conversations. I embraced them and I, I found them to be a challenge. And so on my mission, I actually started reading and studying a variety of uh, anti-type arguments against the church. And I became familiar with a lot of this anti-material to the point that whether it was accurate or not, I would brag uh, that there wasn't anything, any criticism against the church I hadn't heard before uh, by the end of my mission. This felt like it was building my faith. I felt like for each issue, I would come up with an answer. And I became sort of a hobby apologist, I would call myself. And, you know, a lot of these answers, as, as I've dove more into my faith crisis, I noticed they, they satisfied that question. But as you started to piece them together, there wasn't a coherent, uh, you know, a coherent picture that was puzzle, pieced together with the puzzle pieces. And so I, I do think that these intellectual arguments started to be sort of chinks in my armor. And over time, they did weigh on me. Um... But my mission was was a great experience. Um, I would say it was faith-promoting, and it's a big part of who I am today. So let's fast forward to when I got home from my mission. Um, shortly after I got home from my mission, I married my wife. And uh, we we actually dated a little bit before my mission as well. And, and before we dated, we were good friends. And I'm, I'm so fortunate um, to have the wife I do. She's a wonderful um, support to me. And I even hope to have her on this podcast at some point if she agrees to it. Uh, when I had my faith transition, and we'll get into this in a minute, she actually had a similar experience and uh, had a similar faith transition of her own. And I'm grateful for that because I did come to grips early in my faith crisis that I may end up in a mixed faith marriage. And I knew that we could make that work. Obviously, having her by my side through the faith transition has been a huge blessing and a huge benefit. So I got home from my mission, we got married, and, uh, you know, spent a few years without children. Um, and we we were active members of the church. Uh, we were part of a family ward for about a year, and then we I went to school. Um, and and while, we were, while I was going to school, we went to a married student ward. So while we were in the married student ward, um, my wife eventually became pregnant with our first child and we had a son. Um, and this was in 2018. And this was really the first big turning point in my faith crisis. So, um, and this part of the story isn't important, but in my memory, it's very important. One day at the house we were living at, I was mowing the lawn in the summer, the backyard. And, you know, sometimes I'll listen to music when I mow our lawn or I'll listen to podcasts or whatever. On this particular day, 
I wasn't listening to anything, just my thoughts. So as I was mowing the lawn, I had this thought pop into my head, and for some reason I was thinking about the church. I don't know why. And this thought came into my head, and and I started thinking about, well, do I believe and know that the church is true? And, you know, that's what we always say in testimonies. I know the church is true or or whatever. And so I asked myself, I was like, well, do I really know? And I had had plenty of spiritual experiences before that I had interpreted as me knowing the church was true. I started to really wonder about that. And, and I was especially concerned because this was right before we had our first kid. And so as I was thinking about this, I had this change of thought suddenly. And I don't know why it, it hit me. But I thought, well, I've always asked if the church is true, but I've never looked at it objectively. Is the church not true? And I know that sounds silly, and probably lots of you who are members of the church who have left the church, um, either you know side of the perspective, think, well, yeah, I thought that early on. And I probably did too, but I never fully explored that idea. And it was especially important because we had a child on the way, and I, I wanted to be a good father. I wanted to lead my children um, in a path that would give them happiness. And, and you know, obviously the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints uh, requires a lot of its members. Um, and so it's important to know if it's true. If it's not true, <laughs> why, why uh, put my family through some of the sacrifices needed to be part of the church? And so I really wanted to know. I, I wanted to really be able to be there for my kids and, and, and teach them the right paths. Um, and so that was the first of that. And, and as I had, had that thought of, well, maybe it's not true. I dove back into those issues, um, that I studied on my mission. And as I dove into these issues, some of them became a little bit more troubling to me. And, um, a couple specific issues that week that I had been mowing the lawn were really stuck in my head and I couldn't get them out. And this is a spiritual experience I will share, and it's it's not way overly personal, so I feel okay sharing it. But that very Sunday, you know, and, and obviously as I was studying these things, I was praying too, I was asking God, is this true? You know, all of those things. That Sunday in our Elders Quorum um, lesson, the person giving the lesson talked very specifically about some of the issues I had been struggling with and talked about, you know, some of the issues in church history and all of these things. And I thought, whoa, that's crazy. There's no way this is a coincidence. This must be a sign from God that he's listening to me. And that night as I was praying, I felt like I, you know, not that I had words in my head or anything like that. I, I never really felt like I had spiritual impressions that were quite that, you know, distinct. I did kind of have the feeling that I was in the right place. And I wrote this in my essay, and, and this is what I tell people now. I, I even kind of had the feeling I'm in the right place for now. But that's easy to say, you know, in hindsight. But, but I really do think that's kind of how I felt at that time. And so that was an answer to my prayers for the time being. And so I, I sat with that for a while. I was pretty satisfied and, and, uh, and kept going on in, as a member of the church. And so... Um, you know, a few years went by, we, uh, spent time in that ward, we moved to a different ward. Um, and in the new ward, I was eventually called to be the gospel doctrine teacher in Sunday school again. And, uh, this time, you know, after, let me back up a little bit after that last spiritual experience, while it did settle some of my concerns, 
I kind of had this lasting feeling of, I don't want to read the scriptures anymore. And the reason I had that feeling, I think, is because anytime I would read the Book of Mormon or the Doctrine and Covenants, some of the more modern scriptures, I just felt this cognitive dissonance every time I read them. And I didn't like that feeling. And so I started to um, avoid that. And, you know, I would still dabble in the scriptures, um, but I didn't spend a lot of time in them. So when I got the calling to gospel doctrine teacher, I thought, great, this will, you know, get me out of my laziness. I'll finally start studying the scriptures again. And it did that. And I would study for the lessons. I taught um, doctrine and covenants in Old Testament. Uh, So two years of teaching Sunday school. And as I was teaching, I had to confront the issues again. And uh, this time, you know, they weren't sitting as well with me again. Um, And while I remembered that spiritual experience I had, I still was like, man, I don't know. Maybe I had that spiritual experience that I was supposed to stay in the church because I wasn't ready to fully explore these issues. You know, maybe, maybe God is a little bit more universalist than I initially thought. And he, he was trying to tell me to stay in the church because it was good for me, but he didn't mean it was true. Just lots of questions. And, uh, what really, you know, made this speed up a little bit, these, this faith crisis was similar to the first experience. So, um, about three and a half years, uh, no, not quite three and a half years, a little bit over three years after my son was born. Uh, we had a daughter, and this was in early um, 2022, early this year. And uh, same thing. Once we had our daughter, I was like, man, am I doing the right thing? Um, you know, I I think I think being in the church is the right thing, but I really want to know truth. And, and that's been a big part of my life is just trying to find objective truth and trying to be sincere about that. And especially after I had that question of, well, maybe it's not true. You know, I was really open to the idea of, okay, I just want to find the truth, whether it's in the church, out of the church. I just want truth. And I just want, I want to do what's right. And, and that's always been a big motivator for me. And so as I was studying the issues this time, they started to get really hard for me. And this was probably the depths of my faith crisis, maybe hitting rock bottom, if you will. And I, I also started feeling a lot of doubts. I felt a lot of darkness. I felt some depression. And uh, for multiple reasons in my life, I, I just wasn't doing super good. And, th- and this was early this year. And I realized it started to have a negative toll on relationships around me, especially in my marriage. And I, I think the reason is I was just closing off and I was, you know, shoving things deep down, which is never healthy. And about this time, you know, probably late spring of this year, I started to come to grips with, okay, something's really wrong with my faith, and I need to confront these issues. Um, And I decided maybe I need to confront them, and I need to talk to my wife, and perhaps we need to explore a mixed-faith marriage. And this was a scary thought to me, uh, and and it's pretty unrealistic knowing my wife that anything you know bad would happen. But obviously, I had the unrealistic fear that man, maybe this will tear apart my family. I don't want to lose my family. I don't want to lose these relationships. They're very important to me. And I was just about ready um, to have that conversation with my wife when, out of the blue, one night, she just said, "Do you ever feel like with the church you're just going through the motions?" And it totally caught me off guard and. I, 
you know, I if if I remember right, and she'd have to speak to this, I think my answer wasn't very helpful, probably because I wasn't really ready to open up yet. And I just kind of said, yeah, I do. And she responded and said, wow, I've just, she's like, I don't know what's going on, but things just don't feel right to me. And, uh, and then the rest of the, well, not the rest of the night, you know, another hour or two, she really talked about some things that she was struggling with. It was pretty emotional conversation. And I just listened and I, I said, I totally understand where you're coming from. I struggle with a lot of this too. And I, I think I asked the question somewhere along the lines of, look, I'm struggling with this too. And, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen to my faith. And, you know, we're obviously both active members of the church. If I ever left the church, would that negatively impact our marriage? And she said, no. She said, you know, I love you for who you are. And I, I think I knew that, but it was good to hear that from her. And so that helped me a lot. In fact, I think that answer was kind of the last straw I needed to, um, to really dive in and go from faith crisis to faith transition. Sometime in that conversation, she brought up um, some material against the church, and I won't get into specifics, um, but the material she brought up, I said, look, I've studied this. Like I said, I've, I've studied a lot of material pro and against the church um, in, in hoping to be as objective as possible. And I said, look, this material, while at face value, it looks like... Um, it looks like these arguments are legit and they are legitimate arguments. And I, I, uh, I actually sympathize with them a lot more now, but I said, well, well, a lot of these arguments are legitimate. You need to know there's faithful sources, um, that talk about these very same questions and issues. And so if you want to dive into this material, please be my guest, but understand like you need to be objective and you need to look at both sides and, and I was just trying to be really protective of her faith because while I had kind of come to grips with losing aspects of my faith, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for my wife to experience that, especially I understood how painful it was to have a crisis of faith. And I, I really didn't want her to experience those same really dark, terrible feelings that come with that. And so as I was telling her that she, she was kind of interested in, so she asked me to dive into some of these faithful perspectives. And so I sent her some. And as far as my studies go, this was definitely the last straw. And so um, I studied these and and it it started to become more and more apparent that I, I didn't think I believed this stuff anymore. And here's, a, here's another section from my essay. And so I said in my essay, as I went back into the issues this last time, a couple of key questions ultimately led to my faith transition. They were first... Uh, the first question, if my salvation is dependent on faith in Jesus Christ, why would my faith also be dependent on a story, uh, the restoration, that quite frankly has aspects that are pretty hard to believe once you do a thorough study of it? The second question I asked was, the Sermon on the Mount says regarding false prophets that by their fruits ye shall know them. And Moroni chapter 7 says, wherefore a man being evil cannot do that which is good, neither will he give a good gift. How can we reconcile actions of past prophets? that in my view aren't only misguided, but were actually sinful. And the third question I asked myself was, why do I look on other high-demand religions and leaders with doubt and skepticism, skepticism, but not allow myself that same level of doubt and skepticism to this religion? And regarding that last question, um, something that really helped with my faith transition studies is I started actually diving into some other, um, you know, I, I don't know what you want to call them, high-demand religions, such as, like, uh, Scientology, Jehovah's Witnesses, um, 
And while there's some big differences, there's some similarities too. And so studying some of those other religions, I realized like when I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, this doesn't make sense. This is all just, you know, this is just bogus. And I thought to myself, I was like, well, hold up. You know, I've, I haven't lived my whole life studying, you know, for, let's take for example, the Jehovah's Witnesses. I haven't spent my whole life studying this. You know, I've, I've been introduced to it throughout my life, but I was like, why, why am I so skeptical of their beliefs just because I haven't been raised in it, but I don't have that same immediate skepticism towards my beliefs. And that was a catalyst that really helped diving into these. And so here's a, here's another quote from my essay. So I said, allowing myself to ask these three questions shifted my mentality. I was able to revisit my studies of the scriptures and church history as if I was an outsider looking in. This was something I never fully allowed myself to do previously. As I studied with this mentality, the results were shocking. I began to study like I had never studied before, even exceeding my passion and fervor prior to my mission. I was voraciously absorbing material as fast as I could. By reading multiple books, studying the scriptures, surfing the web, and listening to podcasts most of the day as I worked. Puzzle pieces that never fit before started finally slide into place, and answers to questions I had put off for years started to become clearer to me. Intense feelings of peace and relief were accompanied with each puzzle piece that slid into place and the distortion of cognitive dissonance started to finally get turned down. So this was, you know, really when the faith transition started to occur. And man, I, I, I've heard this from other people who had faith transitions or faith crises. Um, you almost go into an obsession stage and I'm, to be honest with you, I'm still in that. I think church history is fascinating. So I might be in that obsession stage for a while, at least as a hobby. Um, but I was just consuming material. And, and when I, I realized to members of the church who are faithful, they're initially going to think, oh, you're just reading anti-books. And sure, I read a few of those. But I was reading church essays. I read huge chunks of the scriptures. I read church history books, you know, the saints books. I read, uh, reread Rough Stone Rolling by Richard Bushman. Um, I read, um, you know, a variety of sources across the spectrum. And so I was just consuming it like crazy. And I was on Wikipedia looking up random church history, uh, people, you know, certain characters and church history stories and just learning as much as I could. And, you know, maybe some of that stuck, some of it didn't. Probably a lot of it was in one ear out the other. But um, I started to finally piece a picture together. And what that picture is, is my new belief system. And I want to share that with you. And I, I want to put the disclaimer that I don't think everyone should believe the way I do. I have found my new belief system to be amazing. I've found it to be beautiful. It inspires me. It uh, encourages me to be a better person. And it's a journey, you know, during this podcast, depending on which episode you listen to, you might get a totally different flavor of my beliefs, depending on what day you listen. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited that I can study and journey and learn and have spiritual experiences and, and meet new people and learn their perspectives. And that part of life is so exciting to me. I, I honestly am so excited for what life has in store. I think it's mysterious. I think it's wonderful. And, and that's, that's probably the most positive message I want to share from this podcast. 
But let's get into what my new belief system is. And, and I really want to share this because it's going to be the foundation for this podcast. Um, so another quote from my essay, another paragraph. I, and this is once I start getting into my new, my new view. So I say in my essay, I am in no way an expert, but I think for anyone who goes through a faith, faith transition, an important part of that process is reconstructing a new worldview. This is a truly daunting task. In some ways, for me at least, I shed some of my responsibility for making decisions on morality and what is right and wrong on the church. So once many of my beliefs were shattered, I was now left on the floor trying to pick up the broken pieces to build something new, but this time without the aid of an authority figure telling me how the pieces were to get placed together. How does one know which pieces to keep and which to throw aside? As I alluded to in the introduction, after a faith crisis, it might be easier to just throw it all away and start over. For me, I decided that this would not be the best route. However, it would be disingenuous to pretend like nothing had happened and to keep all the pieces. If I did that, I think my worldview would have looked something like the door that gets shredded and pieced back together on the movie Monsters, Inc. Sure, it sort of looks like the real thing if you look at it from far away, but with closer inspection, it's fragile and not at all what it once was. In this section of the essay, I will discuss the pieces I have decided to throw away. This is not an all-inclusive list, and who knows, may not even be permanent, but was the start of my reconstruction process. And so I entitled the next, or the, the two parts of my section following this introduction, Bathwater and Baby. So the Bathwater section, as you can probably guess, are the negatives I'm hoping to throw aside. And this isn't an all-inclusive list. But the main things are... Uh, immediately after my faith transition, I had this intense feeling of uh, of empathy towards people who I knew existed um, and who I think I was kind to. I want to believe I was kind to them. You know, I'm, I probably said some some ignorant or uh, you know maybe some harmful things as I was a member of the church. But for the most part, I think I was I was pretty kind to these people. I hope. But I immediately had this empathy towards those who believed differently than me. And I realized as a full believing member of the church, I had this implicit bias uh, towards others, especially those who leave the church or who didn't church the way I thought they should. And I think that's a harmful viewpoint um, because it does kind of instill a tribalistic mentality of, you know, uh, us versus them. And I'm hoping to cast that aside. And I, I really hope to my family members and friends who are still believing members, I hope you can understand I have nothing but love and respect for you. And I don't view you as a you versus me mentality anymore. I, I've i spent my fair share of time on forums for those who have left the church. And I think there are those in those forums who feel that way. And that's okay. Um, I understand how you can. and And everybody... Everybody heals from their religious experiences in a different way, and I respect that. For me, positivity is the best medicine for healing from these experiences, some of the negative ones. And so I have, and and it's not perfect, I have my negative downer days too, believe me. But I, I try to just have positivity towards those who believe differently than me. And while I'm not a member, well, I am still a member of the church, I'm not an Orthodox member of the church anymore. I definitely still have a moral compass and I definitely have morals, 
but I'm trying really hard now not to just project that moral compass on others because that's not fair. You know, everybody, everybody does things differently and they have a reason for that. And I truly believe the majority of people are good, decent human beings. You know, there's definitely people who are bad and there, are, there is evil in the world. I'm not going to deny that. But most of the people I'm surrounded with are just really good people, even if their moral compass looks a little different than mine. And that's okay. Um, the next thing that I've decided to cast aside, and I mentioned in my essay, you know, to believing members of the church, this one's a little bit more shocking, and it is a little bit hard to say out loud, um, is my unwavering and unquestioning commitment to follow the leaders of the church. And the reason for that is with a lot of my studies, I just came to find evidence after evidence that these men are fallible. They're human beings. And the funny thing is, we talk about that in the church all the time. Like, yeah, they're fallible. They're not imperfect. Or they're not perfect, you know. And But the thing is, I thought that, um, but I didn't really ever absorb it. And uh, especially when it comes to doctrine. And today's not the issues podcast, so I'm not going to get into specifics on that. But there's there's definitely some specifics that I can point to that are big deals, in my opinion. And so that then leads to the question, okay, well, if these are men are fallible and we don't know when they're talking for God or not, how do we know they're talking for God now? How do we know that, that some of the issues that are uncomfortable to our personal morality, that we need to follow that? And I know of all my points, this is probably what's going to get argued the hardest by people who believe in the church, and that's okay. And, and there are, you know, maybe some kind of new age, um, believing members or, or they like the neo apologists that say, yeah, they're infallible and they're even infallible on doctrine. And, and, you know, they're just as, as fallible as you or me. But to me, if I have that belief, how, how do I, how do I just blindly follow them? It, do, it doesn't make sense to me. And, and that's one of the pieces, uh, to me of mental gymnastics. I just, I couldn't do. And, and I apologize that I can't do it, but I'm just not capable of it. And again, I respect people who have that view, but for me, a more rational view of taking anything these leaders say with skepticism and with uh, individual um, review and study makes a lot more sense. <clears throat> and so what I mean by that is I think church leaders have taught good things. I think some of the church leaders have taught me things that have made me a better man, have made me a better husband and father. And I, there's no reason to throw those things aside. But every time they talk, I'm, I'm going to take everything with a little bit of skepticism. And if it's an issue I don't agree with, I'm not going to just blindly agree with them. And, and the ironic thing is that's sort of what the church teaches, right? Is you're supposed to get personal revelation and personal inspiration on everything the church leaders say. Um, but there have been recent church talks that say, yeah, you can get personal revelation all you want. But if it's different than what we say, then you're wrong. And uh, obviously you can see why I think that's harmful. Um, and again, this isn't the issues, so I'm not going to dive into that too much further. But that covers a broad, broad spectrum of the choices I make on a day-to-day -day, uh, scale. And so I, I won't get into specifics. The third one is an ongoing cast out for me, and that is perfectionism and worthiness. I think a lot of us can agree, probably even full believing members of the church, that there is a little bit of a perfectionism, perfectionist culture in the church. And, you know, that we definitely talk about repentance and, uh, and getting there someday. 
we also talk about worthiness and being unworthy. And uh, anyway, I it's just something I'm learning that, you know, while there's things I want to work on, there's nothing wrong with who I am. And, and that's one of the messages I want to share with people, especially those that are, you know, struggling with their faith and are leaving the church. It's okay. You know, you're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. And uh, I... I do still believe in God, and I don't think God makes mistakes. I I think you know if if there is a God, which I I do believe, um, I think He loves us more than we can even comprehend, and and so beating that drum of get better, get better, get better, isn't helpful at least to me. And and this might come from my own personal tendencies, but I've heard it from a lot of people in the church, so I don't think it's just my personal tendencies. In fact, I even shared in my personal essay, as I was looking for, you know, tips on personal revelation during my faith crisis, a lot of these sources would say, well, first you need to repent um, and, and be worthy. And while during my faith crisis, uh, and I do want to clarify this because this is a myth that's sometimes perpetuated in the church, I was living every way I should have to be an active temple recommend holding member. And so in the sense of a temple recommend holding member, I was completely worthy. Anytime I read that, there was a voice in my head that said, see, that's why you're not getting revelation because you're not worthy enough. And that, just that undertone of always having to be better and always, it's always your fault if, if these things don't happen or these things don't come true, just was really harmful to me. And, and I'm hoping to cast that aside. And also just obeying out of fear. And I know there's a lot of believing members who probably that's not their primary motivation. But like I would do things like, for instance, paying tithing. I'm going to pay tithing because I don't want my family to sink into financial ruin. Let me just tell even the full believing members of the church, that's not a good motivation. (laughs) And fortunately, I think there's a lot who probably that's not their motivation. And so kudos to you. Um, But I don't think there's a God who wants to curse us if we don't follow commandments. And, and that's my personal belief. So anyway, I'm, I'm casting that out and, and I'm just trying to do what I think is right. So let's talk about the baby section, which is what my new beliefs are. I still believe in God. I believe in Jesus. Uh, whenever I've read the new Testament, I'm always like, man, Jesus in the new Testament is the real deal. And I think he, his life teaches us how to treat others. I still believe in, you know, the two great commandments, love God and love your neighbor. And so I'm, I'm hoping to always love and serve others. And, and the church was that framework for understanding how to serve others and how to be selfless. And I, and I hope to always keep that part of what I learned from the church and, and hopefully, you know, even improve that on helping those who are less fortunate than me. Something else that's good that I hope to keep from the church is the importance of absolute truth and seeking after truth. And ironically, that very principle is what led me to my faith transition. And so I hope to seek truth wherever that takes me. And I really want to say that objectively. And and I hope everyone can say that objectively. Wherever the truth takes me, I'm happy to go there. And that's probably one of my highest um, priorities and one of my most valued attributes I seek to attain is sincere, objective truth. The other thing I want to keep is the high priority on family. Um, 
from a young age and from the church, I was taught the importance of family, family values, taking care of those you love. I want to keep that a part of my life. My family is so unbelievably important to me. And I love my extended family too, but I, I'm mostly talking right now about my immediate family. I love my immediate family so unbelievably much and, and they deserve the best husband and father that they can. And so I'm going to try my best to be that husband and father. Um, although I have my own shortcomings, I'm imperfect. I hope to always strive to make family my highest priority. And as of right now, as I kind of implied earlier in this podcast, I actually still want to take part in church community. And part of me understands that me sharing some of these thoughts publicly may impact that community. You know, there are definitely social repercussions that I'm probably not totally ready for, um, but I, I welcome them and I hope that those who believe differently than me can love and accept me for who I am. I'm trying to figure out what my place in that community is, and I'm not going to promise that I'm always going to be an active member of the church um, or that I'm always going to have such a nuanced view as I have, but I'm going to try my best, and I'm going to try to stick in this kind of gray area as much as I can. I think the gray areas in life, not just in religion or spirituality, but in life in general is where the truth sits a lot of times, and that's not just because I'm a centrist or because I, like I said, because I'm a fence-sitter. I just think the gray areas are kind of uncomfortable. Like nobody likes to just sit in the gray area. It's really easy to get polarized. And I've felt that since I've lost my faith in certain aspects of the church. It's like, you know, it'd be really easy to just go really bitter and become a a harsh opponent against the church. Um, But these gray areas to me are so much more interesting, but they take a lot more energy to kind of focus on that gray. And, and again, what I mean by that is I do have my positions and I think I've stated my positions in this podcast so far of the things I think are harmful and are untrue and that I want to cast out and, and hope to share with others why I believe that way. Um, but I, I do want to still look at issues objectively. You know, you look at some sources, uh, both from the church and anti-church, and some of these sources are so easy to disprove or they're cherry-picked and there's just so much uh, lack of objectivity in some of these studies. And and again, <laughs> I can't stress this enough. I, I hope to be objective, and I hope to not let people down who are hoping on me being objective. But that's my goal. I want to stick in these gray areas as much as I can and really dive in deep to some of these difficult issues. So I want to close this podcast with the last two paragraphs from my essay. And the reason is, is these, these two paragraphs are positive and uh, I want them to be the foundation of this podcast and, and let me share them with you. So they say, in short, my new beliefs are as follows. I choose to still believe in God and prayer has been an important source of comfort and inspiration in my life. I still believe Jesus is my savior and love to read the stories of his life in the New Testament. I think Jesus is the greatest example of how to treat those around us and serve others. I believe in trying my best to be a good person and to take care of those around me less fortunate than I am. I plan to always sincerely seek the truth and the good, wherever that may take me. I learn new things every day and continue to change my mind on things. My family will always take top priority and I will always try my best to be the husband and father they deserve. If I am wrong on the specifics and the exact tenets of doctrine, I take comfort in the fact that I am trying my best to be a sincere and good person. 
And if there is a good, excuse me, and if there is a God, surely he understands us and loves us more than we could possibly comprehend. I want to end on a positive note. Life is beautiful. I have my dark days just like everyone else, but for the most part, I really do feel that way. Life is mysterious, complex, and at times unexpected. I would have never thought this year would go the way it did, but I don't regret it. This experience has taught me how to look for the good in people and has improved many of my relationships. This experience has taught me to appreciate the present and focus on the here and now. This experience has opened up my mind to always be willing to explore and change. I look forward to hopefully the many more years, experiences, and lessons that life has to offer me, and I'm looking forward to the next unexpected adventure. Thank you for listening. If you have suggestions, questions, or would like to share your own faith transition story, please email me at alternativemormonpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you.